Hello and welcome to Quadrivia, the podcast that takes you a step beyond trivia and into the minds of people who craft it. I'm Jeremy with Liquid Courage in Chicago. I'm Randall with World's Best Trivia in Bellingham, Washington. I'm Jeff with RMT Trivia in Chicago. And I'm reading my note card, and apparently I'm Jason with Liquid Courage Entertainment in the <laughs> Chicagoland area as well. Uh, Jeff and Jeremy, we keep running into each other. How are you guys doing this time around? <laughs> I'm doing okay. Hey, I've got my drink. I'm good. <laughs> oh, drinking. I forgot that's a thing I am exclusively known for. Uh, guys, I warn you now, we are 45 seconds into this episode, and I will not remember the last hour of it because I have grabbed the bottle of Captain Morgan Black, the rum that rum drinks. <laughs> 95 proof hold on i don't think i got great fully of the uncorking of this so i'm gonna do it again so listen up ready oh oh that was good sounding oh it that smells was like paint thinner and it tastes not slightly <laughs> different from that uh hey randall i'm an alcoholic but i want you to talk for a couple minutes so i can drink who are you why are you here and what is your third favorite water type pokemon go my third favorite water type Pokemon is Squirtle. I feel that he's a bit overrated. Uh, I, I just like his name. I didn't want to bury the lead there, but I felt like that was the <laughs> most important piece of information to get out. Uh, my name is Randall Ragsdale. I live in the very corner uh, of the United States in Bellingham, Washington. I am a walking distance from the water and uh, the kind of walk I could not deal with to the Canadian border. Uh, and right now, everything is tremendously smoky outside. We are at extreme hazardous smoke levels thanks to wild blazing forest fires all around us. It's terribly unpleasant. I'm hoping it's not on the water, too, because that could get really shady. Like the fire? Like smoke on the water? Oh <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> I thought for a second that this was like all of a sudden, like the water in Washington was going to catch fire like it was Cleveland. Like... Uh, as as someone who likes to work song lyrics into conversation whenever possible, I'm jealous and angry that you both a did that and b that it went right past me before I noticed what you did. Wait, hold on. I'm I'm having a bit of an existential crisis here. Are you trying to tell me if the stuff I drink is not supposed to be flammable? <laughs> well, what's the cutoff? Isn't it like? Isn't it seventy? Is it seventy proof that the cutoff is anything above seventy that's it's flammable? That stands to reason. I know 80 definitely is. Well, tell you what, I have a 42 proof. I have a, what are you, Siesta Key? A 70 proof, exactly. 70 proof. Uh, and a 94 proof, that's for drinking, not lighting. I may, during the keyword challenge, go grab a lighter and light myself on fire for the purposes of discovering if 70 uh, proof is, in fact, the cutoff or not. I'm for sorry, science. you're welcome. I, I loved and missed my family. And, and you know what? Uh, you know what that does? That makes great audio. <laughs> well, he said he was going to do it during the break. If I do it wrong, I promise you, it's going to make fantastic Save audio it for the live episode, <laughs> which is a thing that's coming. Hint, because we can't wink, schedule nudge. actual recording, so fuck it, we'll do it live. <laughs> anyway, we're we're getting off topic. Randall, why don't you tell us about world's best trivia before we get way too far into an alcohol tangent here? A few years back, I was invited to do a theme trivia night by a local venue, Culture Cafe, here in uh, Bellingham, which serves what else but kombucha. And uh, <laughs> great, great little place that very much suits the town. I ran a It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia theme trivia that yeah. the 
the GM had written all the questions for. So I just showed up and read them. Uh, there were 23 teams there. It was a gigantic, this is not a massive space. And so mm. players were sitting on steps, players were outside. It was a lot of people. And uh, the Always Sunny crowd takes their trivia very seriously. And they got, at a certain point, someone thought someone else was cheating. And the whole room, like a wave, kind of lifted up and shifted to peek around the corner to see if this person was cheating. Uh, and it became pretty, it looked like it was going to be a serious hazard issue at that point. And I just hopped on the mic and I said, you paid $2, sit down. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, you know, everybody had that reality check that maybe taking second place in It's Always Sunny Trivia might not be the worst moment of their entire life. <laughs> maybe it wasn't worth cheating for in the first place. Uh, the GM liked my crowd control and invited me back to another one. And then after a while, he liked me enough that he said to start a weekly. I did a weekly there for uh, about a year and a half and then got hired on to a place where I worked for, I think, 12 weeks. And then they closed suddenly. Not even the employees knew they showed up and there was a sign on the door. Uh, oh, man. Yeah. Two weeks later, uh, a local brewery called Twin Sisters picked me up and I worked there. I was up on I was two weeks out of my one year anniversary there. Nice, big crowds, great room. Uh, and then the pandemic hit. So uh, after a few days, I brought it online and I've been running my game via Zoom for the last uh I, th I think 20 weeks now 20 no more than that 25 weeks ago i was putting visual content online just to sort of stay sane uh <laughs> but by the by mid-march i was on i was online and i've been online ever since yeah awesome. that sounds awfully familiar my friend so <laughs> <laughs> what do you like about zoom i i've never done a zoom-based trivia event i know uh jeremy and i believe jeff haven't either what do you like uh, from the from the platform perspective, being the host and what kind of tools mm -hmm. do you like there? Or don't answer either way. I mean, the, I've, I've the, been in one, but I've never hosted one. I didn't ask you if you'd been in one, Jeremy. I the most random. important thing about Zoom, I think, the thing I like most about it, uh, and I think the reason players like coming back is you can see other humans. And so a community is able to form around that. That is also something that I think personified my venue games uh, was the sense of trivia people are, you know, they're they're similar in that they value knowledge, but also have a good sense of humor uh, and also understand that knowing sort of weird esoteric things is worthwhile. Uh, and so in Zoom, I was able to bring a lot of the people who knew each other only through that weekly two and a half hours that we spent together into an online space where they were spending that same time at a time where it was very, you know, upsetting to look out at the world and feel like you couldn't be around other people. So uh, it was part of the sense of normalcy that trivia was bringing to have people see each other. I'm at a point now where uh, I'll do a 15 minute pregame uh hangout that's mostly for if there is a tech question but 
Uh, people during that time will chit chat. I'll ask them about their week and people will talk to each other. So it's like a pretty nice open Zoom hangout with, you know, dozens of people. Then I use breakout rooms in between questions and rounds, which allows mm -hmm. people to spend time just as a team. So a lot of folks have used it to bring family in, bring distant friends in. I know, uh, I see some friends who moved away a while ago and they play as a team. I don't actually see them, but they see each other, which is nice. So it's good. It's been a nice way to connect during a pretty difficult uh, social time because of quarantine. All right. But but counterpoint to that, Randall, as as a Twitch streamer, counterpoint. My players don't have to put a bra on to play trivia. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, you know, and, and I think both look like vomit and Zoom is just like a different kind of vomit. <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. <laughs> uh, you know, the, the people can turn cameras off, though I discourage it. And even, even in a game of, you know, around 100 people, after a while, you kind of, there are some regularities to it. And I'll add, by having a, you know, known Tuesdays, seven o'clock PM, we're all going to go do trivia gives you a goal to get sort of ready for that, to prepare yourself through whatever routines that you would normally do. I think people like that. I think they appreciate that. And, and so putting a bra on or combing your hair or whatever, it's like literally the only time these days that I stop to shave and clean up. I even put on, uh, I even like, get fully dressed and, and ready for it as though I were going out to a venue just because it feels good to go through the same routine that got me in the right headspace uh, in the in the before times. <laughs> in the, the long, internet. long ago. <laughs> no, and I respect that hustle for sure. But counterpoint, I'm not wearing pants now. I wasn't wearing pants before, and I'm probably not going to be wearing pants tomorrow. <laughs> well, it's it's sort of like a mullet. You know, I'm professional <laughs> from the chest up. There you go. <laughs> It's all party from the waist. <laughs> yes. Randall so, Ragsdale, you heard it first. Business on top, party on bottom. <laughs> so, Randall, it sounds like uh, you use Zoom to kind of uh, keep up that community feeling that your live shows have. And, segue, that's what we're talking about tonight. We're actually talking about uh, continuing the building of the communities. Uh, we're talking about player retention, how to... Uh, keep teams coming back week after week to your show. Yeah. Community is the cornerstone of uh, that game. There are at this point, while I may have been pretty early to market uh, at this point, there are, there are several ways that people can play trivia online. Uh, knowing the people who are around, having a sense of, of normalcy to it. I've worked on the back end to make certain routines and certain things as seamless as possible mm -hmm. in that online environment, which I know players appreciate kind of not having to worry about that. Uh, and it's my game. So I need it to feel like my game and I need the players to feel like they like Vandal's game. Uh, of course I make adjustments to them, but you know, ultimately if they like me in the game I'm running, uh, they'll come back. And if they don't prefer it, they won't come back. And I think that's good. If they're playing trivia and having fun, it doesn't necessarily have to be a mine. I just want them 
uh, I just want them to stay, stay safe and sane. It sounds like you have the digital aspects of our current life kind of figured out. But let's take a step back into the real world for a second. When, when we're all hosting uh, a show and we have a team that comes in for the very first time, mm-hmm. how, how do you guys go about... Um, I, I mean, I feel like I'm just gonna, you know, say it when we're when I'm talking about it here. But how do you how do you make the game approachable? How do you welcome these people to your game? Uh, like, does does Liquid Courage? Do you guys have like a script that you you know write out and send to Jeremy? <laughs> or, <laughs> uh, I mean, not exactly. It's it's more so not so much what the host says uh, because obviously it's going to be kind of a a case-by-case, face-to-face basis when you have a team that you don't necessarily recognize in your venue full of faces that you've seen for for weeks or months or even years. Uh, Something that I did with our shows, because our shows are a little more complicated of a trivia game than a lot of other shows are, where it's, hey, answer these questions, I'll tell you how many points they're worth, and if you get them all right, you win, kind of thing. We have more moving parts in our game with, uh, you know, the ability to wager on round values and the ability to pick certain questions you get right automatically. And a lot of this takes some explanation that takes a couple minutes of everyone's time to go through publicly and over microphone and teams have heard it 50, 60, 70 times. So I had the, I'm going to call it genius idea, but I should have had it 10 years earlier idea (laughs) to uh, print out the explanation of the damn game and stick it in a sheet protector that is hot glued to the back of the whiteboards that represent all of our live teams. So if I get a new team, I you know distribute all the materials they'll need, their whiteboard, their marker, all the little bits and bobs that make our game work. And then I will just flip that bad boy over and say, uh, we're gonna start with the first round in about 15 minutes. Here is a full explanation of what's going on. My name is Jason, it's a pleasure to have you here. If you have any questions about this or need any more detail, do not hesitate. To, to grab me and, and ask because I'm going to be circulating through the room getting everybody signed up. My attention will be on you if and only if you request it. Otherwise, I'm going to, in good faith, assume that you can read this explanation and we are going to hit the ground running. Hey, Jason, it seems to me that a lot of that game preamble is sort of the balance between helping new players come on board and avoiding irritating current players. The goal of which is probably ultimately, how do you turn new players into regular players? Uh, what, like, to what degree was your was that part of your thought process in presenting everything on the back of a sheet? Or I guess a bigger question is, as you were adding complexity to your game, how did you balance, like, this is becoming something a bit more elaborate with I still want casual people to be able to casually walk in and just play. That's that's actually a fantastic pair of questions. I think I'm going to start with the first one first, as is the style of the time. Uh, so as far as retention goes, vis-a-vis what the backs of those materials say, there isn't a whole lot of thought that went into that specifically in that regard. It was more so um, an explanation of the game. That said, I do have information about all our social media stuff, a schedule of our live shows and all of that. So it kind of passively encourages that retention saying, hey, I'm here. Uh, This might be your first time here. I'm here every week at this time. Uh, If you are just from out of town and you happen to live a couple towns away, I'm probably somewhere in your area. Check out this night. And if you ever want to know any information, here is my social media stuff. And I'm pretty active on there. Make sure you give us a follow. Like us on Instagram. Uh, Don't forget to ring that bell. Uh, Whatever kids say (laughs) these days. Ringing my bell. Ringing my bell. 
check out our TikTok. I'm doing a new dance every week. That's uh, some <laughs> dance based on the trivia questions I'll be asking. So that's the form my hint will take. <laughs> See, you think that's a terrible idea, but it is a terrible idea. So please don't do that. Um, <laughs> but to get to your second question, which I think is a much more interesting question, uh, that is a conversation that I don't know that we're going to have a lot of time to get into in this context, but I'll touch on it very briefly. Uh, the game evolved over the course of several years. Um, you know, some of it was a, a give and take between venue owners and my vision for it. And some of it was feedback from regulars and trying to game, make the game more competitive without unbalancing it. So right. at the end of the day, it got to be a little complicated, which is why the explanation is there. But fortunately, my experience has been, and this is something that I have heard from players who have played other trivia shows and have come to mind. Um, they've said, you know what? At first, I was really kind of confused. I didn't know what was going on. And then, you know, after round one, things started to click and the meta game, the strategy started to click. And now I'm really jazzed because we got our asses kicked because we didn't understand the game. We're coming back next week. I'm bringing three friends and we are going to figure this out in real time. And I'm going <laughs> to take your money, sir. <laughs> yeah, I can echo that where like we've had teams that were new um, at my show as well. Um, I just host one weekly show right now. Well, at least when this is all back in bars and everything um, that they'd never even been to a trivia show before. And they come in and there's all these moving pieces. And yeah, about halfway through the game, like, oh, I'm bringing a team next week. Like that's that's the highest praise I think you can get as a host. We're like, I'm coming back and I'm bringing friends. Yeah, All right, we're going to win this for, thing <laughs> for first time players, especially people who either had never really played trivia or had played once a long time ago and maybe not had a great experience. I always felt my goal was to remind them that we were just there to have fun. So whatever they needed to do to have fun was important. And just to not really have an expectation of winning. That said, my game uh, and, and Jason, you and I talked about this right after that my game is almost the inverse of yours like it's built to even the playing field by by sort of damaging this is my in venue game by the way uh mm. by sort of damaging anything that a, a regular trivia player would use to win i had uh bonus points that were sort of more gettable if you had been on social media earlier in the week uh i had questions that were so topical to whatever the interest base of a specific person was that, you know, unless you knew, unless you were a lacquerista, you wouldn't know about <laughs> the nail polish question I was asking, but man, that, that person was super excited to hear it. And then at the end of the game, I allowed players to wager up to 21 of their points on the very last question. And then the very last question would be a range of difficulties from almost impossibly hard to damn it, Randall, why are you asking such an easy <laughs> question tonight? Uh, I, I think one of the things that while we're talking about kind of building our shows uh, as a vessel for retention, one of the things that I really started to do when I, when mine was kind of evolving over the years um, I came to realize that there's a lot of people that look for a lot of different things in trivia games, and I wanted to make mine as approachable as, in as many different directions as I could. So um, my game is very straightforward. I ask a question, they give an answer. Um, there's a couple things that I do differently than some other companies in my area. Like I put up big uh, 
pretty pictures and stuff uh, uh, for all my slides. Uh, I know that there are some people that don't like my tempo when I do live games because it's it's uh, about a two two minute uh, turnover on the questions. So there right. are some some companies that do way more questions a night than I do overall. Um, but I, I think the finding a good balance with the crowd that you have, like when you get to a new venue, you kind of have to be reactive to the crowd that you have. So my game has has kind of grown um, uh, kind of symbiotically with my regulars that have kept coming back because the the ones that liked my questions kept coming back. So I started writing more questions that they would like, and so and you know so on and so forth, to the point where the game that I that I have today that exists uh it wouldn't be the same thing without the you know eight or ten teams of regulars that keep coming back week after week you do run that risk though if you're if you're catering your content to your regulars to try to build their retention do you are you concerned about alienating more casual players or people who might have come in you know through order mouth and they're like boy this guy asks more i'll just throw sports as an example out because that's a hot button issue in the trivia community boy this guy asked more sports questions than i thought he would and this team seems to really love them maybe this isn't the show for me have you have you put any consideration into that i i have and the way that i do that is um let's say okay so sports isn't a great uh example because i ask uh, over the course of a regular game in real life, I'd only ask two sports questions during the night. Uh, my online game, I asked three, uh, or, or no, yeah, I guess it's still two. It doesn't matter. But I mean, I, I do an easier one and I do a harder one later. Um, but stuff like uh, wrestling, like people like professional wrestling, or I have one team that are crazy, not so fans of Seinfeld. If I ever find myself asking a question about those things that I know that they like, I ask it early in the game so the point value for people that aren't super fans is much lower because as the game goes on, point value grows. So anything that could be considered uh, something that I know that a team would would hit out of the park, I put that earlier in the game uh, just so that if somebody else doesn't get that, it's not too much of a a pitfall for them. Uh, And then also it allows me to kind of play around it allows me to play around with something um, like uh, if I were to ask a question uh, like just this last week, I asked a question about the village people. Uh, so like I could ask a question about what was the name of the village people's first album for fans of professional wrestling. This wrestler used to enter to pomp and circumstance or something to that, you know, I'd throw an extra wrestling clue on there. That's not totally ungettable by other people mm-hmm. you know and i kind of use that to pepper in little little bits of fun or i'll use them in my inside jokes you know what i mean like uh, i have a ongoing inside joke where i'll ask a question about uh, you know who did this thing and then the next the next screen that pops up is the john cena meme real loud you know uh, john cena did it you know um but i i don't use it uh, as a way to make the game harder for new people, if that makes any sense. I, it, it, it's, it's just a, the longer that you're with a group of regulars, the, the symbiosis that you feel where you know where their weak spots are, you know where their, uh, you know where their soft points are in their armor, you're able to write harder questions for them while maybe giving them an attaboy early in the game for less points. 
Yeah, you brought up a really interesting point there uh, a minute ago that I wanted to touch on briefly, especially when it comes to retention. And that's the concept of like inside jokes or stuff where some people in the room, your regulars get what's going on and they're familiar with it and others aren't. Uh, I'll give a couple examples from Ryan and then I want to throw it to you guys. Do you have those kinds of inside jokes or do you avoid them? And does it have to do with retention? Um, as an example, just from my side. So there are a couple things that happen in every one of my shows. One of them, and we talked about it on the podcast multiple times, is the douchey trick question. Uh, it's a liquid courage kind of original where we stick the answer somewhere in the question. And whenever it comes up and people get really excited, when I reveal the answer, we all kind of shout collectively game show style that it's the douchey trick question. And people get very confused, but they miss it <laughs> once. And then they know it's a thing. And it's a surprise that was sprung on them. And when they come back, they know to keep an eye out for it because every time it happens, I say, hey, that was tonight's douchey trick question. I do one of those each and every game. You just spotted it. Keep an eye out for it next week. So I'll throw it to you guys. Are you concerned about the concept of having like inside jokes or long built bits, for lack of a better word, making your game feel more insular to newcomers than making them feel like if they pick up on it, early in, they'll feel as though they're part of the in-crowd as well. I think, um, at least what I've noticed with the DTQ, um, is it usually, like you said, surprises them the first time, but it almost makes them want to be part of that inside joke. Yeah. Almost like they want to come back, so they know that they know that it's there next time, and then they get it. A lot of a lot of my kind of inside jokes or running, I, they're more running gags than anything. Um, like I've talked about it before when, when no team gets something right, like everybody wipes out on a question the the joke is that I added to the list of things I'm never going to talk about again, you know, like, Oh, here's the, uh, here's a question about K2. Congratulations. Everybody got it wrong. Well, I'm never going to talk about K2 again. You know, it's just a thing I say. Um, it's not necessarily something that I actually do. I just say that. And then the John Cena meme, um, since that's a loud noise that kind of shocks people, I always mm. make sure to walk around the restaurant and talk to people that ha maybe have uh, smaller kids or, uh, you know, there's every now and then there's a table of elderly folks that are just out for dinner. And I'm going to say, hey, just to let you know, uh, in about an hour, something loud is going to happen that you may not expect. <laughs> so please be prepared for that. <laughs> For an and hour, please be yeah. prepared for this sudden moment. Oh, if they're that's if they're not, not helping, that's instilling dread. <laughs> if they're not playing, I tell them more a, a little bit more accurately when that's going to happen. But um, most of my, I I don't work inside. Well, I do one, and I've talked about it before, where I'll ask a, a multiple choice question where all of the answers are correct in some in some fashion. Um. And I've done those before. And so every now and then people people have begun to catch on that sometimes I'll do that where there's no wrong answer. Um, mm, interesting. OK. But but those are, are more kind of fun when I reveal, like, especially when they're super sciencey or really obscure or something and people just you know, dejectedly bring up their answer like, oh, I guess I got a one in four. And it's like, it's better than that. You have a 100 percent chance of getting it right unless you wrote something nonsense on the card. Uh, you were talking about that K2 thing and how you joke and say, ah, and we're never going to ask that question again. I had a running list for a while uh, and it wasn't so much 
questions that I wrote that were so hard, everybody hated them, but it was questions in a pop culture subject that everybody was sick of. So I would do a question, then I'd say, hey, guess what? This is the last question I'll ever write about blank. And I had that running for about four years until, oh honest God. to God, the list got <laughs> so big and I was trying to keep it internalized that I just lost track of it. And I accidentally wrote a question about one of those people and everybody was hemming and hawing. I'm like, you know you what? Out on it. We're throwing out the list. So originally the list was people like Charlie Sheen and Brett Favre and Lindsay Lohan. And it got to be about 15, 16 people. So I threw it out one week by doing a theme round where the correct answer was Matt Damon, for the record, was on this list. That's probably important for this. Uh, the correct answer Damon. to every question was either Brett Favre or Matt Damon or both or neither. And that's how we retired the concept of that. The only thing we keep, and I do uh, mention this off the cuff as a bit of an inside joke, but also as a spoiler, the correct answer to any of my questions for all time will never, ever, ever be Aquaman. <laughs> I know that There is joke. no particular reason for this. Uh, it's a joke that came up a couple <laughs> years ago with one team at one show where I was asking a question about, I think, some Marvel character, and they were just kind of goofishly wrong because they gave Aquaman, who's obviously in DC for all yeah. the nerds out there. Uh, so I believe it basically came out and said, you know what? Aquaman isn't the hour. There isn't the answer. I'll, I'll do you one further. Aquaman is never the correct answer. <laughs> and that has been going for, I think, seven years now. My addition to the notion of inside jokes was that I, I, they are present at my game, but it is not something that I do with much intention. It's more like I kind of want my personality to read because I'm as a MC, you're in the hot seat and I figure whatever I'm going to naturally come up with to get me uh, to transition between asking questions, reading answers, dealing with uh, uh, audience issues or whatever other technical issues, whatever I say, just as a human being who's lived this long, that's kind of my style. So that's what I'm trying to deliver is just let that come up. Yeah, no, that's very, very key. Don't put on a persona if you want retention. Be yourself. Be your most authentic self. Be yourself at a volume level where everyone in the room feels like they have that relationship with you. Um, Djibouti, that's the thing that I wanted to say. There we go. Uh, so I have a running joke with my, my regular teams that whenever an opportunity presents itself, I am going to use Djibouti as an answer because it's fun to say. And I have people who have no knowledge of like African geography or anything have jokingly put Djibouti because they know I am effectively a 12 year old boy <laughs> when it comes to writing. And I'll write questions about Djibouti and Uranus and Lake Titicaca because they're fun things to say. Same. That's, <laughs> yeah. that's an inside joke that I forgot. The answer is always Uranus when I'm talking about planets. <laughs> Trivia uh, is written to be read. It <laughs> is. And sometimes I write the questions for them, but often I write the questions for me. <laughs> so actually, we, you mentioned that Uranus uh, as an answer. My teams were sure that Uranus was an answer because of my sense of humor um, for a show. So I purposely asked like a, a planet question like the next two weeks in a row and made sure it wasn't Uranus. Um, <laughs> that's mean on purpose and like they all put it down thinking that it was going to be because we had made, had such a fun joke about it a couple weeks before and I'm like no it's never Uranus <laughs> well <laughs> so you that, subvert the trope I like that yeah and then the other one was uh, I, I screwed with them uh, 
I had like three weeks in a row. I purposely asked a question about that just basically pointed to Antarctica. And I think I mentioned one of them was like, what continent is, can you find the largest desert on the, on earth? Mm-hmm. Um, and it's Antarctica. And there's something about a volcano, like a dormant volcano um, and something else. I forgot what it was, but they all pointed to Antarctica. So the next week I asked something about a mountain that sounded like it could be on Antarctica, purposely making it in Alaska. <laughs> so seven teams, I, I think, put Antarctica. <laughs> But no, it's kind of the running joke about it with uh, some of the people at my show where they're like, oh, we should look for stuff because I will do something where um, if I think there's a cool follow up fact to a question and I haven't asked about it, I will mention that. And then the next week, one of my no, questions question. will be yeah. something about that <laughs> yeah. follow up and it, it keeps them engaged and it keeps them, you know, oh. He made a point to say this. We should remember that. Like, I, I don't do a lot of Twitter stuff and everything. Like, I know a lot of hosts do. We're like, oh, one of the questions will revolve around this. I'll do something like that, like a fun fact uh, to a follow up. And then some sometime the next week in the show, maybe not even in the same category, but find a way to fit that fact somewhere else into a question. I kind of like that. My, my only worry uh, as your benevolent boss is that it doesn't so much encourage retention as it discourages the lack of repeat participation does that make sense it's a it's a fine line to walk is my only worry yeah Uh, i I get that if it's organic and people like it i'm all for it yeah no it's it's been a good thing and like for the new teams it's not a big deal because they will see because the reaction from the regular teams they'll see it's one of those other like inside joke hooks i think Mm-hmm. where they'll see like, oh, well, these people were here last week and they got it. Oh, I remember him saying something earlier. Okay, I'm going to remember this for next week when I come back. In regards to retention, Jeremy, what I like about that is it's a way of signaling to players who have been with you for a while that you're keeping things fresh, that it's not always going to be kind of the same jokes, the same content. You see yourself as the, you see yourself the way they see you, and so you are making sure that if they have preconceived notions, you're sort of tricking them with that, too. I like it. Yeah, the only thing that we keep across all of our shows, at least that I think Jason and I are the same, is we will always have the DTQ. And then the other thing what we, we both do, I believe Jason still does it at least, during his um, music movies TV round or entertainment round, as we call it, is uh, mm. there's always one question that is... Um, either explain a film plot badly or from the uh, website um, forward film review. Yeah, yeah. Forward film review where like, it just gives like four words that describe a movie. And a lot of time it's a lot of times it's punny. Mm-hmm. So just seeing it on the surface level, you're not going to get it. When you think about it, when you get the answer, you know, you got the answer. I actually had uh, a, a kind of retention tool. Uh, like you were saying uh, where uh, people would give away the answer on social media or something you would talk about would come up another week. Um, I, for a year, would give an answer away at the end of the game before the final round. I would say, here's your bonus answer for next week. This w- is guaranteed to be the correct answer to one of the questions I asked next week. And I would, you know, it would be something uh, like a banana or, you know, something that I could put up a picture of a banana. And then the question would be about like a banana pepper or, you know, something. Banana Republic or something. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, it would it would be the actual answer that they'd have to write down. That's just a, a shitty example I came up with off the top of my head. But 
the idea is the picture would be something and then the question, it would be another use of that word in some other fashion. And what ended up happening with that is I, I always feel bad whenever I do something that requires people to have been there before later in the game where the point value is mm-hmm. heavier. And it, you know, if you miss something later in the game, it could be the difference between winning and not placing at all. And so I would always put the, I was always, uh, you know, put the, the bonus answer from the week previous in the first two rounds, you know, so it's either worth like 10 or 20 points instead of 30 or 40. Uh, but what ended up happening then is that the teams that came back every week were already my regulars. And so essentially I was just giving them an answer to a question. So I was wasting three minutes of their time because none of the questions that I would ask that early in the game would be hard enough for them not to figure out on their own. And already knowing the answer made them go like, oh, that's the one, you know, this is it. Um, It reminds me of when I was breaking into trivia and I was doing some market research. I went out to a local bar. It was doing like a Monday night trivia thing. It was a national brand. Uh, We're not going to get into names because fuck them. I'm still around. Uh, But I went out with my buddy and we had a pretty competitive game. It was, you know, it was a shorter game for pub trivia. It was one of those, you know, um, like six rounds, three questions each, and then a halftime and a final kind of format that's that's kind of around all over the place. We were doing really well. We ended up missing a handful of questions, which everybody's going to do. One of the questions that we missed um, had to do with like the Little League World Series and what country had won it the most. And we had what we thought was a pretty good guess. Turns out it wasn't. No big deal. I We didn't know it. But I found out after the fact, after they revealed the answer and like 85% of the teams were all cheering, it's like, yeah, and if you were fans of us on Facebook, you saw us post this answer today. And I got a level with you, man. It put a bad taste in my mouth, not knowing that that was a thing I didn't know I should know. Yeah. And that, so that it's, was my experience. it's another razor wire kind of situation where yeah. you want to you want to cater to your regulars, but you also don't want to discourage people's first times from being a bad experience because you want them to come back. Yeah. And that's why I put the questions earlier in the game so they'd be worth less points so that people wouldn't be upset that they didn't hear the answer last week. Uh, but the problem was I was expecting it to. Uh, have a first-time player come in, play the game, get an answer for next week, and say, I already know an answer. I might as well go back next week. Uh, but what it really ended up doing was it didn't do that to, to first-time players that that wouldn't show back up. The teams that were there the week before probably would have got that correct anyway, so I really wasn't giving them anything to work with. I was just giving them three minutes of dead air because they're mm. not thinking about a question. They're not conversing with their teams because they already know the answer. And it ju- it, it just... I, I think that a lot of its failure could be put on me for not writing better questions or finding a better way to implement that. But the whole thing left a bad taste in my mouth. So I, so I had, actually, that's something that I did to kind of, I avoided that because it didn't feel like anybody was engaging with it the way that I wanted it to. Yeah. I toyed around a little bit with the idea of giving away answers in advance, not so much live at the shows, but again, from a social media context, but I also wanted to do it in like a signature way that didn't just give you the answer. So I would post a picture that in the most lateral sense connected to an answer in that game. Um, the worst case of it, and the reason I stopped it, is I found some kind of modern art picture, and it was easily like Google reverse image searchable. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it was basically a picture that was done entirely in like earth tones, reds and browns. And the clue there was... Ohio sports. Oh, 
So when I did a sports question that asked for a U.S. state and I pointed out that, you know, this connected to our Facebook clue in the Vegas way, everybody hated it. Nobody got it. Like, how the hell does this mean Ohio? I'm like, it's reds and browns. (laughs) And I thought I post hint for every game and have done so for years now. And the hint I say right up front, here is a hint that is obtuse and maybe it doesn't make sense and it just made sense to me at the time uh and players know it i would have stopped doing that but for the fact that i had teams two different teams on separate occasions say that they had uh chat threads dedicated just to talking about that hint and i realized the mystery yeah what i realized was they were they were spending time outside of the game enjoying one another's company just based on this like absurd thing that I was doing. And ever since I've leaned ever more into that. So if anything strikes me as interesting to do in relation to the game, uh, I just, I just run with it. A quick example is recently uh, I, I used Instagram stories and every time someone signed up for my Zoom game, I get a little ping on my phone. And so it happens sort of throughout the week, I'll get pings and sometimes there are quite a few and sometimes there are many. So one week uh, I posted to my Instagram stories, the first ping and on Instagram, you can add a song and it will auto add text to that. And I played Barry White's, uh, my first, my last, my everything, but it was just the music intro going boom, 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 you know, that really nice Mm. bassy intro. And then Barry comes in and he goes, the first, And that was the end of the Instagram story. And I just was sort of chuckling to myself at the absurdity of that. And then the second one came in. And uh, at that point, I couldn't help myself but to do it again. And I ended up dedicating an absurd amount of time that week to every time someone registered, I would screen cap it on my phone or take a photo of it if it was on my laptop. And then I would make an Instagram story. And so every time someone registered, if they were following me on Instagram, they sort of got this like number based music image in my Instagram stories. Uh, and for those who don't know, these only last 24 hours. So it had nothing to do with the game itself. <laughs> but yeah. my story views were just spiking. They were going from, you know, 15 to 20 story views up to like 45 or 50 story views. People were paying attention to this and, and sort of monitoring it. And, you know, I imagine at a certain point wondering, how many is he going to do? What song will he do for number 56? You know, like, yeah. Wait, this was, this, was this the thing you were talking about a couple of weeks ago in the, in the trivia co-op group where you needed numbers that connected to songs? Cause I swear you crowdsource some ideas on this. This sounds really familiar. And I don't think I had the full story on that. And Jesus Christ, that it'll is, stop making us only, look worse at this. That's only <laughs> somewhat true. So I did jump into the co-op as it was going on because uh, Jeff, Jeff's trivia, Jeff was, uh, he was sort of, he said, wow, you sure like Instagram stories, but I hadn't, I wasn't doing it with any intention. Uh, and then he and Oliver were sort of teasing me a little bit about it. And I said, you know, you guys could, instead of breaking my balls, help me come up with songs with numbers. Because when you get, you know, the mid 50s, the mid 70s, those don't have numbers, especially when you're beyond speed limits, because a lot of songs talk about speed limits. <laughs> There's some options. You got Thunder Kiss 65. You got Summer of Nice. What else you got? Yeah. 
I actually I ended up not taking, nice. uh, not taking any suggestions. I've I ended up thinking like this is a good exercise just as a person who writes trivia to be able to kind of figure out how to react to all the songs needed to do was mention the number. And then it was a lot about, you know, me putting 30, 60 seconds into making this weird little piece of art that tried to show the lyrics of the number on the screen cap of the number of the registrant. Uh, was, you know, it was just me being silly. But players, well, I gotta really, say, they loved it. I gotta say, Randall, on behalf of us in the co-op who are a little more active and familiar with each other, you, you know, are in and we talk to you a bunch, but then we don't hear from you for a little while because you're, you're a busy man. Important things. Uh, given the opportunity to reach out to us for help, don't. Because we will monkey's paw anything for no reason whatsoever for the lulls and for the memes. <laughs> I, as you know, I love the, I love being a participant in the co-op for the sort of uh, structural part of being a trivia host. Like, I don't think I ever would have become an online host without having you all around to talk about uh, just uh, issues with Zoom and whatnot. Or there were ways that right. I was talking with the venues where it was nice to have uh you know people with like you have a lot of venue experience or Corey had a lot of venue experience and it was nice to have people say you know this is how i did it uh and and that gave me a lot more feeling of delivering a professional game to my two venues uh and transitioning to an online game so i question wise i always want everything to kind of sound like me so i'm pretty leery of grabbing too much question information though that's not to say I've never done it. I, I love uh, I love that the co-op is there, guys. Well, that's, that's how we got the retention of Randall in the co-op. Let's, uh, let's refocus <laughs> a little bit and get back to retention of players at our venues. And I have opinions on this with a capital O when it comes to the role of the venue itself. Our job at the end of the day is not necessarily to be the best trivia hosts in the world. If you if you strip it down in America, in our capitalist society, our job is to put asses in seats, keep them there and make them open their wallets. I think we're all agreed on that at the you know core of what we do. Yeah, absolutely. Not anymore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not anymore, though. Yeah. Oh, no, no. Daddy's whoring for daddy these days on Twitch. <laughs> There's no such thing as live entertainment in Washington State right now. So uh, I, I couldn't have a venue even if they wanted me. But operating under the assumption that that will happen at some point, and it happened <laughs> before, and maybe, maybe we will get our shit together and have normalcy sometime in the future. What do you guys expect or want or hope for when it comes to helping you gain retention from your players out of the venue and not even necessarily the staff, although that has a big part of it, but, you know, the ownership and the management that you work with hand in hand. Uh, what are your expectations? What are your hopes when it comes to that stuff? I know for me, at least it's worked with uh, where where I've spent most of my time in a venue is they were excited about bringing in trivia. Um, and actually, it was a, a friend of uh, ours in general who helped get, helped us get in there Um and then the owner just jumped on board and he had posters made up. His staff was fo was posting on Facebook when the event was. Um, they said they were going to get to Twitter. I don't think they ever really got to Twitter. But um, the biggest thing was just that stuff. And then letting people know, like their regulars, they told all their regulars when they came in, hey, we have trivia coming next Thursday. You should come and check it out. Um, oh, that's so good to hear. 
Yeah, I know. And uh, that doesn't happen a lot. Uh, there's been plenty of venues we've been at over the years, and a lot of other people have talked about this too in the co-op, where the venue doesn't do anything. It's like they somehow expect to hire somebody, and all of a sudden they're going to make money, but never tell anybody there's a show coming. Like, mm. they don't let any of their regulars know. They just expect the trivia company or the trivia host to bring in 50 people to a show or something like that. And yeah. that's that's not that's like the furthest thing from the truth it can be. If people that come into your venue regularly or even have stopped in one time to grab a drink and never plan to come back, they might see a poster for trivia and make a return trip and then become a regular customer week after week. Yeah, it's not I, just on the trivia company to do that. I, I've had uh, a very interesting I've had both sides of the coin because I've had two long term venues. The first <clears throat> didn't really do any promotion whatsoever uh, in terms of posters or anything like that. And then the one that I'm at now does. They they print posters and they hang them in the bathrooms and they uh, they have a big chalkboard where they draw the specials and it always says like pub free pub trivia on Wednesdays, you know. And so they're they're way more active about it. And wouldn't you know it, the show at the where I'm currently at has been going on for a much, much longer time with uh, <laughs> greater success in terms of more people there on a weekly basis. Um, I, I do think that the social media aspect of it is is pretty important to the, the bigger footprint that the venue has on social media. Uh, the better it is for them to just say, hey, we have this thing. Even if they don't say your company name, that's that's helpful just to get people in the door in the first place. Mm -hmm. And then I, I'm lucky enough now that my venue has a really uh, a really nice prize package uh, that we give out. We we wow. give out we give out about one hundred and ten dollars in gift cards every week. Uh, which is a little bit higher than some places and lower than some cash games that I've seen. Um, but one of the things that they're willing to do, they do for some of my theme nights when I've talked about it before, when I do the harder versions of theme nights where you could risk it to win extra stuff, they'll provide me with um, like two hour drink packages and others. You know, they're, they're very generous with their, with their prizes. And that's always good for retention. Cause I mean, even if, you know, I'm not saying that any of my players feel this way because my players love me. But <laughs> even if they didn't, they might be willing to put up with a little bit of my shenanigans for a little bit of a deeper purse at the end. No, that's fair. I like that. And I like how you brought up uh, the concept of, of how important prizes are and not even so much the value, although that matters. And we can we can have a debate on what <laughs> the right amount of money to give for free pub trivia is. But the nature of the prize is very important for retention because I swear to you, I have never heard a trivia player in 10 years of doing this complain that a prize was a gift card to the bar you are at. Yeah. And I've never heard anyone complain that the gift card wasn't good until next week. So venue owners, if you're listening to this, make your prizes gift cards, make them valid only on trivia night, only for you know six <laughs> weeks or so. And not valid the night you want it. I have a, a venue on Mondays, probably one of my most successful venues of all time. They're actually restructuring now, so I'd give them a shout out, but they're going to change names by the time this episode drops, most likely. <laughs> and that's exactly what they do with their prizes. And it is fantastic for retention. There's never been a complaint about it. My only complaint is that means I have to print out 50 new cards a year because they're paper and they're lame and I designed them five years ago. But <laughs> uh, sweat, you know, Gift cards trump cash 
for a couple of reasons. One, it's built-in retention. And two, $25 worth of product is not the same as $25 worth of dollars. Yeah, very much so. Very true. Anybody who's worked in the restaurant industry knows how that works. Especially Absolutely. since they're going to use it mostly on drinks. Drinks are One your nice, biggest moneymaker uh, in a restaurant. For sure. One nice prize that... Uh, one of my venues did was they had a sticker that if your team, I would give the bar and that was all the employees, a sheet to play along. And they printed a sticker that if any team ever beat the bar's score on a round. And so this was all the staff in the restaurant, like 15 people. Okay. uh, If you beat them, you would get a sticker, just one sticker for your table. And they would just print like 50 stickers at a time. And so I'd run out of stickers and then they'd do a new edition of a sticker. The sticker was often sort of a tie-in promotion to a beer they were running or uh, kind of a gag. It was a real range, but you know, you could tell regular teams wanted to collect all of these stickers, one per player. That's a really so cool idea. The bar like crazy. People collected them like sack stickers on football helmets. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> Garbage pail kid cards, you know, like you kind of have them all. You're not hearing words out of me right now because my jaw is dropped at how fucking beautiful an idea that is. Jesus, I I hate that I didn't think about it. And now I can't steal it because it's publicly announced that this is a Randall Ramsdale original. It was a great way for the bar to uh, feel like they were part of it. The the brewery is a big place with a lot of staff. And, you know, they, they had a tavern separate from the bar, too, where they were connected on headphones. And so... You're playing against a lot of people. At the same time, they're incredibly busy. So every now and then the bar would get like, they would be slammed and they'd get like, they'd only answer two questions on a 10 question round. And we'd just say, all right, looks like everybody's getting stickers on this round. <laughs> it's a lot of fun. You could also use that for promotion. Be like, hey, guess what? If everybody, if every table orders a bucket of beer, I guarantee the bartender is not going to have time to answer these next two questions. <laughs> yeah, I definitely maybe, did that. Maybe let's get those sales up for tonight. Oh, this works on so many levels. Oh, my head is spinning right now. How do I turn this into a Twitch thing? Jeremy, be my Twitch guy and make this work on Twitch. <laughs> Build a bot um, or whatever. Special emotes. I don't know. We'd have to figure that out. Now, I, now think you got, the I got my is, wheel spinning here. You don't have to spend a lot of money to make sure players know that they're part of a thing that is has a future to it. And mm. nothing me nothing helps you with player retention more than players feel that week over week they have a stake in the game. They're spending hours with you. They want to know you as a person. They want to see your personality. And if you can do that with a sticker, if you can do that with uh, a running gag, that's all. That's a great way to retain people. Just make them be part of it. Absolutely. I like where your head is at on that very much, Randall. And that's, uh, I don't know that I'm necessarily doing it on purpose, but that's the reason that I try to become friends with my regulars. And even if it's in the the fakest social media is sense, I'll be like, hey, I am the easiest person in the world to find on social media. You can find my name, my phone number, my address. You can find out what car I can drive just by Googling (laughs) my company name. Find me on Facebook. Friend me. If you have a suggestion for a theme, hit me up. You can put it on the public page that you probably know about, but the personal touch. Send me a message. (laughs) And that really helps. Also, Snapchat. (laughs) (laughs) Only fans? 
Uh, only fans get to see my only fans, and that's the important takeaway. Uh, any other final touches before we jump into our keyword challenge for the week? No, I can't wait to try a keyword challenge. You haven't done one of these before. That's right. My first. I'm excited. Oh. I can't wait so, to steal your sticker idea. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I've got Jeremy coding a thing right now behind the scenes. You don't know it, but I have a secret conversation. Uh, every time that Jeremy and I host uh, Quadrivia together, we have a secret little text communication where I'm like, steal this idea, rebrand it. We need this because You're I love Sam them, Walton but I love money. ABC, my friend, always be co-opting shit. Nice. <laughs> Always be co-opting shit from your friends. That's why we're in the co-op, right? <laughs> That's right. Keyword challenge. Jeremy, what is it? How do we do it? I am All right. five shots of 90 proof rum into the night. As what I, I say, Jason is drink. All right. So if you've never listened before, uh, welcome. If you have, then you know where we're going to go with this. But for those that haven't, every week we take a suggestion from the community for a keyword that we're going to spend 10 minutes off mic writing a question about. Uh, we do not have the keyword ahead of time. We draw it at random from a list, and then we take 10 minutes, and everybody has to write a question that they would ask at their trivia show with it, and then we critique those questions because you only have 10 minutes. So sometimes it's really cool to see what other people think and what they might have added or taken away from your question. So this week's keyword comes from Taylor Cook, the uh, official dentist of the Triviality Podcast, if I remember correctly. <laughs> uh, actually, I hosted a game of their show where Taylor was one of the contestants. Uh, he is a cool dude. And uh, yeah, he sent us Qbert as Oof. our keyword this week. Qbert. So we are going to take 10 minutes off mic and we're going to write the best question we can about Qbert. See, you say that I'm going to spend seven minutes drinking and three minutes crapping out a question about Qbert, but. Oh, don't forget lighting things on fire. Oh, that's <laughs> right. I have to light things on fire. We'll see you guys on the other side. <laughs> and here's Jason with the porn music. Hey, everyone. Jason here. While the host and I step away to think about our keyword challenge, we just wanted to remind you that you can check us out online at QuadriviaPod on Twitter. On Facebook, just search for Quadrivia Podcast. And you can always email us at quadriviapod at gmail.com. We're always happy to hear from you. And now, back to the show. And we're back. Uh, it's only been 30 seconds for you, but 10 minutes for us. And we have some fresh questions about Qbert for you all. Uh, Jeremy, why don't you start us off? What do you have for our keyword, Qbert? All right. Uh, we'll see how this goes. Video game cameos in movies are not unheard of and generally work to varying degrees of success. Wreck-It Ralph, as an example, had dozens of characters from various video game franchises make an appearance. But in what 2015 movie would you find multiple cameos from the classic video game character Qbert, who in the film decides to console a depressed Josh Gad by turning himself into Gad's character's lifelong crush? This gets to new levels of cringe when it is revealed that they ended up getting married and had a bunch of Q babies. Jeremy, are you telling me I have to remember the name of every shitty Adam Sandler movie now? <laughs> I never mentioned that. No, Adam but you Sandler. do have to remember every shitty Josh Gad movie. Whoa, whoa, whoa. If you think every Josh Gad movie is bad, sir, I encourage you to let it go. <laughs> hey, let's not be little monsters. So, so yeah, no, this is that 
this is that movie that came out a couple of years ago with, you know, Adam Sandler and Josh Gad and like 12 people saw it because it was probably awful. And I don't remember the name. So take it. Uh, I believe this is Pixels, which I have not seen, but I know had Josh Gad in it and involved video games. It is, in fact, Pixels. Yes, it is Pixels. And on the range of terrible movies, not so bad. I mean, terrible, but really? come on. It, it was funny. I mean, it was, it was kind of cringy at part, just because especially this part, like at the end, you're like, okay, that's just weird. Um, <laughs> but it, it was stupid funny. It was one of those, like, as a video game nerd, I appreciated the video game nerdetry of the movie. But it was yes. bad. It was it was a bad movie. But well, wait, no, it was funny and entertaining. It was pretty great. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Let, let's go back and address this real quick. Randall went on record saying that this wasn't that bad of a movie. What do you think its percentage is on Rotten Tomatoes right now? I'm going to guess on Rotten Tomatoes that the percentage is hovering around 54%. How did how'd I do? I would guess you, like 36. Randall, you were really, really close for sufficiently large values of 54 <laughs> because it is 17% on Rotten Tomatoes. Wait, wait. Are we talking about the Rotten Tomatoes or the users liked it? Because there's two no, this important is tomato meter. There. Yeah. Oh, I'm looking at them both. It was 17% on the tomato meter. The audience score, you weren't too far off, but 46%. Okay. Yeah, that was kind of what was in my mind. Who cares what critics think? I want to know what uh, idiots who like terrible movies thought of it. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> well, that's, that's kind of seeding the pot there, but okay. Yeah, let's criticize the hell out of Jeremy's question. I have no notes. It's a pretty solid question, dude. <laughs> yeah, I like it. I, I thought that you were going... Uh, that you were going to go to Kubert as the answer by talking about all the other cameos in Wreck-It Ralph. I like the direction you took because I was not thinking Pixels right off the bat at all. And Kubert is in Wreck-It Ralph as well. I did not uh, mention that. Oh, is he? I couldn't remember if he was or wasn't. Yeah, there's uh, even if um, if I'm remembering correctly, there's some like list of 300 ish characters from different. They have uh, uh, random sprites and characters from a ton of different arcade games. Even yeah. if they don't have like a speaking role or anything, the the Bowser and Zangief thing is just great. I was in just going to say Zangief table. was so good in that, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it's a it's a good movie. The difference being seventy percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Wreck It Ralph sitting at an eighty-seven. Oof, nice. That's a good. So movie, if you're though. if you're going to go watch Cubert in the theaters, guys, I'm not here to tell you how to spend <laughs> your money. But I'm going to tell you how to spend your money. <laughs> I hope Kubert got a lot more points on Pixels, you know. <laughs> yeah, it's all about the merchandising. All right, Jason, what did you have? Why, why would you ask me? It's Randall's turn. Is it? I'm reading the wrong list. You sure Randall, are. what did you have? <laughs> the small orange fellow with no arms and a long nose isn't the only Kubert to appear in video games. Turntablist DJ Kubert made music for and appears in the Slam City Jam level of what video game franchise? Oh, I like where you went with this, Randall. I have a guess on it. I'm going to defer to my nerdier friends if they want to confirm or deny. Is this is this Def Jam? I'm not. I think if I'm if I'm not wrong about this, I thought that that was a uh, Tony Hawk Pro Skater level, oh, but okay. I'm, I'm having I might be mis I might be misremembering the downhill jam part of that. I, I want to say 
if it's not Tony Hawk Pro Skater, it might be another skating game because I'm fairly confident that that is an actual skating event. Wait, are you telling me there's more than one skating series of video games? Oh yeah, there's there's, <laughs> skate. there's Tony Hawk, yeah, and then there's Skate, which is famous for really bad game physics. There's Tony Hawk, yeah. which is a good series, and then Skate, which is good for bad physics. And the only reason I would lean away from Tony Hawk, and I'm, I'm, I'll probably talk you out of this, and you're probably right, but the soundtracks to Tony Hawk were very popular, like punk bands and uh, like new metal type stuff. It wasn't uh, DJ stuff. I will I will throw this in. Slam City Jam is uh, a real skateboarding championship, uh, one of the longest running. Well, then I'm probably wrong, so I'm going to shut up now. <laughs> Let's go with Jeff. Yeah, I, I'm I'm 90 percent sure it's Tony Hawk. It is Tony Hawk. It's Tony Hawk uh, Underground, to be specific. But uh, at oh, my fuck. game, since I said franchise, I would have taken any Tony Hawk for that one. DJ Qbert does music for the games and appears in that level. Okay, that that makes more sense because that, uh, if I remember correctly, that's the first one where it's like a uh, open world game where you like run around from event to event instead of just picking a level. And it would make more sense for there to be an actual DJ running around in a. Okay, okay, good. I, my, my I think that's the only better. one in the series I actually played. Come to think of it, yeah, that's that was a fun one. Like, do you meet up with Bam Margera in that game, or am I just having, like, 90s fever dreams? Uh, I don't remember if Bam is in that one. I know Bam is in a couple of the other ones, um, but I know that they... I'm pretty sure, actually, now that you've mentioned it, I think he was in that one, because I think he asked you to do a bunch of dumb shit. Like, the whole shtick is that he's asking you to do dumb shit. Like, wouldn't it be cool if you just, like, blew up those garbage cans, and you gotta go hit a bunch of garbage cans in a row? Yeah. But anyway, oh, we're that, getting away from the point. <laughs> but that does sound like peak Bam Margera right there. Yeah. But I think all in all, though, I think that has a lot of good backdoors into it because Slam City Jam, if you know that that's a skateboarding event, you might be able to work your way to Tony Hawk because that's the first thing that I think people are going to think about if you think about a skating video game. Um, or, you know, it might throw crumbs down the wrong tip because I, I know that there's the DJ Hero game that people might think about. Um, well, clearly I went to Def Jam, so I think the turntable's DJ quote there is, I don't know if it's necessarily intended to be a red herring, but it opens up the uh, the object space for possible answers if you're not dialed into Tony Hawk from the rest of the clue. So I like that one. I forgot yeah. all about Tony Hawk's Underground, honestly, um, that it, being that it was different from the rest of the series. Like I knew it existed. But I'd only played like one, two, and three. I'd never played anything after that. Yeah. Uh, he does actually appear in DJ Euro 2 as well, but there's no Slam City GM level on that game. Really? I didn't know that they made a second one of those. They did, and it didn't sell well because people still needed the turntable, and there was only one thing you could do with that turntable peripheral, yeah. and it was DJ Hero. <laughs> Source? I have a turntable from DJ Hero. Me too. Uh, I will th I will say that somebody turned it into a usable controller and played a um, no-hit game of uh, Dark Souls. Of course. Beat the entire game on hard using the turntables and didn't get hit. <laughs> Did they run out of other peripherals because other Twitchers had done, you know, the yep. the Power Glove and yeah. the Wii Balance was, Board? Well, I think and... it was the same guy. Did all of it. Like, he, oh, he was... Uh, he was like an engineer and he was like literally turning them all into um, like he used the drum set from Rock Band. Mm -hmm. he, he beat the game with the drum set and then he beat the game with the turntables. 
Um, and then, yeah, so somebody, I don't know if it was him, but somebody modified the old Nintendo Power Glove. Um, and there was something else. It was, it's insane. It's insane. So that, that's going to be a new thing on my channel. I'm going to beat like Mavis Beacon teaches typing based exclusively on like the, the guitar from Guitar Hero. Watch for it. <laughs> and that's going to blow up my channel. Let me know if you figure that out. I won't. Jeff, what do you got? All right. Um, so I'm glad I went a different direction than my movie one from earlier. Okay. Coined by Beetle Bailey cartoonist Mort Walker, Grolics are the symbols used in print to replace foul language. While Grolics are almost always found on the pages of comic books, what iconic video game character who debuted in 1982 famously speaks in Grolics when he is hit by an enemy? I almost went a similar direction with this question. I'm very glad that I didn't. <laughs> I like that question a lot because I remember playing uh, the arcade game when I was young. And as a young kid, that that part of that was really attractive to me. I thought it was so like subversive and counterculture that... Yeah little orange Damn the man <laughs> the little noise that he makes is is it's just kind of like a little like this weird little noise and <laughs> uh, even though you're upset because you just got hit in the head with a snake it still makes it fun and i i have interesting information from my research about that noise oh well excellent is I it mean, literally every like swear word said all at the same time <laughs> No, the, the head developer was playing around with the concept of bonus points, and he didn't want to assign just arbitrary bonus points, so he was playing around with random numbers for bonus points, and that ultimately morphed into the concept of throwing those into the sound engine, and that's what the sound of him going is in <laughs> Q-Bird, is it's, it's nothing but like randomly generated sound effects from the chip just spit out at you. That's and wonderful. an additional crazy fact that I found when researching my question, which thank God has nothing to do with this. They put in the original arcade cabinets, you know, those uh, coils in a pinball machine where, it, you know, it kind of shoots down and shoots the ball away from you and you hit it, the pressure sensitive ones. Yeah. They stuck those inside the cabinet of Qbert for like a belly kind of effect when you fell off the world. Really? Yeah. There was an actual moving parts pinball machine element in the cabinet itself to give that sound effect. I randomly stumbled across that fact and it was too good not to share. That's really cool. I mean, I, I knew that um, it's one of the most ported games just because it's so, because it's one of the really, really early arcade hits. Um, mm. uh, I knew that, uh, <laughs> I knew that he cursed. I knew that you had to change the color of the pyramid. Uh, but I really like, uh, like Randall said, that's one of the things that drew me into the game when I was young was that, Oh, look, yeah, that little orange guy gets hit on the head. He's, he says some curse words. Like <laughs> I, that, that's, that's really fun learning all these extra things about Qbert, which I was absolutely positive that we wouldn't be able to get four questions out of, but look <laughs> at us go. <laughs> we really did. And I'm, I'm glad somebody wrote a question where the answer is Qbert in case listeners, you haven't picked up on it. The answer is Qbert here. Oh, yeah, I apologize that we haven't gotten that far. <laughs> it's pretty obvious, but, you know, there was some feedback that said, hey, make sure you say the answer. So the answer is never Aquaman. Exactly. <laughs> the answer for this one, of course, Hubert. Jason, no, that's a really good question, my friend. Well done. What do, you, what do you got, buddy? What I have for you is a question that is thankfully unlike your question. So we did not go to the same well four times 
on a very specific uh, keyword. So thanks for that. Here's my question. Hey, remember Qbert, the arcade game from the 80s with a little blobby guy who swore in nonsense characters? The level design for that game is a pyramid of isometric cubes heavily inspired by the artwork of what 20th century visually stunning painter, according to concept artist Jeff Lee. Hmm. In my head, I anytime geometry and art are paired, I think of MC Escher. So it's going to be, this is one of those times where once I think of a probable answer without knowing the certain answer, then I'm kind of trapped. Like, I'm screwed. All I'll be able to think of is Escher now. Yeah, that that also that tracks for me too. Uh, especially, uh, I know um, his tessellation stuff is really similar because, like, if you look at the Cubert, the Cubert stage for too long, the colors really do help you make it feel three D. But really, it's just a bunch of uh, diamonds kind of flipped in different directions. So right. that 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 does kind of that tracks with me. I would, if we were playing on the team, I would absolutely agree with you and say that that's where we should lean. Very interesting. Uh, Jeremy, any thoughts on this one? Um, yeah, I, I don't, I don't know. Um, I, this is one of those, I, I couldn't really be much helping. Um, I like where you're going with it and I have no better guess. Uh, am I to take it? We don't have a whole bunch of fans of Piet Mondrian in the episode today. <laughs> <laughs> who is also known for his visually stunning black and white uh, sourced like Partridge family style. Yeah, artwork. With the blue, orange and yellow cubes. Yep. Uh, yeah, no, you're absolutely right, though. This is MC Escher. I learned a thing about a painter this week and I wanted to say it publicly. <laughs> Was that how to properly pronounce his name? <laughs> Look, I will not take pronunciation advice on painter names from Jeremy, and we all know why. <laughs> I will always I will always think of MC Escher as the artist most loved by engineers who hate design and art and think it has no place in reality. <laughs> <laughs> I just find it interesting, Randall, that you and I got MCs into our questions in completely different contexts. <laughs> oh, mine was a DJ. Mine was a DJ. Oh, uh, you're right. I, I don't know my hip hop <laughs> culture as much as I should. I am going to go back MC to my Captain Morgan. work great together. They do. Randall, you and I make a fantastic team. Who needs Jeff and Jeremy? I do. I need me. <laughs> Probably their families, I'm guessing. <laughs> I've met their families. They're fine. Yeah, Marcy's better off without me. <laughs> <laughs> I'll just go sit in the corner. Be Marta's fine. absolutely better off, but... <laughs> That's either here nor there. Uh, any notes on that question? I, I know I talk about yours a bunch and then we kind of devolve and joke about mine. Any notes? No, I honestly, the 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 little bits that both Randall and I picked up on, um, I think that that's a, that's a good enough hint. If you're talking about uh, isometric cubes uh, and uh, artists that work in, in that style, that's probably going to be the number one the number one name that somebody's going to bring up, I would say maybe include like, um, like a, a birth nation of the, of the painter or. Um, See, that's interesting that you brought that up, Jeff, because the original version of this did include that he was Dutch, but I feel like every time I write a question about Escher and I love Escher. So I write a bunch of questions about him. Mm -hmm. I always throw in that <laughs> he's Dutch and I didn't want to give that tip off here. Oh, I guess that's fair. Yeah, that, that would be the only difference that I would, you know, just throw something 
else in to to point at the like just on the artist side of the question just any any other little thing but honestly it's a good question it's just uh my my note would be to make it a little bit easier by what i did but that doesn't change that it's a good question okay yeah yeah i appreciate I think, that thank you so i think it's a really good question the only thing i might throw in just being me would be um after uh visually stunning painter and not rap artist <laughs> according to concert artist jeff lee <laughs> at, uh, MC i don't Asher. know if i love that <laughs> it's a good clue it's a good like first round question if you do it that way but oh god that gives the ghost up for me it it uh it stands up with without according to concept artist jeff lee Though, uh, yeah, I mean, I guess the tie-in to the fact that Jeff Lee is the concept artist of Cuber, I don't know. It feels like it's such a tangent. The relationship between Cuber and Escher is such an interesting tangent. Mm -hmm. uh, I almost would want to look at ways to center it more on Jeff Lee being inspired by Escher than, hey, you all know Cubert. Like, that's fun, but it's not... Like you could just say Jeff Lee, the concept artist behind the video game Cubert. I guess that's boring, but uh, like yours is more fun. But just talking about Jeff Lee feels like the way to sort of honor the triviality of it. I, I think I get what you're saying on that, Randall, and I'm I'm thinking through, and I think if I wanted a question where the answer was Cubert, there is a direction to go that connects Jeff Lee and the concept of MC Escher's artwork and the vague visual of like an isometric pyramid to get teams to Qbert without having an obvious ask in there. And if I had right. gone that route where I wanted Qbert to be the answer, I think that in and of itself would have been a stronger question, but I also feared for the purposes of this episode that at least one of you was going to go in a direction where Qbert was the answer and I didn't want to replicate that. Yeah. But really good note. Yeah, I, I mean, I think it's good. That. I'm not, I'm not wailing on it. It's this is a reminder, by the way, that uh, I think probably we all agree. When you're writing trivia questions, even if it's like to take yours for example, you could write that question with sort of each piece being a different way to approach it to get to the answer. Like Kubert could be the answer. Uh, yeah. Escher is the answer for hyper nerds. You could make Jeff Lee the answer, or you could make the pyramid of isometric cubes, the answer that's. Uh, and I'll tell you, Randall, like uh, the first that. version of this was going to be, you know, the definition of the word isometric. <laughs> <laughs> it was going to be the etymology of like a Greek term that means, you know, equally measured or something. Nice. And then I found the term uh, in the Wikipedia entry for Qbert that called it axonometric. And then I got confused. So we went with <laughs> MC Escher. <laughs> but that's the fun of the keyword challenge. Uh, we get to see everybody's questions, like, you know, writing these on the fly. And then, uh, I said, critiquing them a bit. It's a good yeah, way to see styles. I love it. Oh, yeah. I, I love that we do this. I want to thank Taylor Cook personally uh, for giving us an interesting and narrow topic that forced us to kind of presumably go four different directions on. And we we hit it, guys. We really did. We found four different routes to go <laughs> on a 30-year-old video game that did not have a sequel. So good job to you. <laughs> good job to Taylor. Uh, Jeff, how do people tell us which of our four questions they liked the best? Oh, well, uh, if you go to quadriviapodcast.com or if you feel like it, you can go to quadriviabuttface.net both of which are functional, uh, and vote on which question you like the best. 
uh, sometime in the future, that information will be made public. I'm pretty sure. Here's the thing. If they go to quadriviabuttface.net, we know for fact that that is a Corey built website and he's just going to pad the numbers. That's true. Maybe don't go to don't go to quadriviabuttface.net. Don't do Never that. go to quadriviabuttface.net. <laughs> Teach Corey a lesson. <laughs> I told I told Jason this earlier in the night, but that's the when I was looking for that website forever ago so I could make a joke about it on my own Facebook page. That's what my phone defaults to when I go to our face to our our podcast website. It goes to the buttface.net account. <laughs> All right, gentlemen, the rum is starting to hit. We anyway. have about 10 minutes of Jason left in this episode. I want to <laughs> do some trivia. Randall, you're new. Let's break you in. Do you have a round to present for us? Yeah, I'd love to present a round. Uh, customarily in my game, I like to throw in what I call mechanic rounds, and that's essentially the the entire set of questions uh, will have some sort of device in there that's going to be true for all the answers. And that can mean lots of different things. But today it means this. We'll play a round called The NBA is Back. Uh, this is an eight-question round, and every answer in this round will have the letters N B. A, sequentially in that order somewhere in the answer. Y'all feel ready? You down with that concept? Yeah. I One quick question. The NBA mm-hmm. is not, there can be letters in between them. They just have to appear in that order, correct? If I'm no, remembering. No, they will be sequentially in that order. So N, B, A. Okay. All right. We'll run this. Uh, I run uh, full round questions with all the questions, then all the answers. But how about we talk through all of these, uh, and I'll just go one at a time. That sounds great to me, my friend. Let's do it. Great. All right. Here's the first one. What company spokesman known for his trademark outfit, including horn rimmed glasses was so commonly asked if he was real, that in his book, he states, quote, I want to make it clear that I am real. End quote. I've got the visual of this guy in my head very, very hard, but I don't want to spoil it for the listeners and for Jeremy, who needs to get more trivia questions right in his life. So we'll throw to uh, Jeremy and Jeff. Who are we talking about? Honestly, the only one that I could think of with horn room glasses is uh, Colonel Sanders, but I can't think of, the, the, uh, like, I can't think of, his first name is like Harlan, so I don't think it's. Yeah, there's no B in yeah. Harlan Sanders. Yeah, that's what I was saying. That's exactly where my brain went to, Jeff. I'm like, well, Colonel Sanders, but like, I, even with Harlan, I'm like, no, 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 no B. You're making me feel very good. I wrote this question intentionally to make you think of Colonel Sanders, which I obviously mean, is not the correct answer. <laughs> I'm enjoying the chatter here. In fact, I may just grab some popcorn and eat it while we're, <laughs> oh, who we're talking about. Orville um, Redenbacher? It yep. is Orville Redenbacher. Orville Redenbacher, a science nerd, just sort of dressed that way and sort of lived into becoming the uh, company spokesperson. Uh, But their spokespeople weren't common. So when people met him on the street, they thought that he was a character being paid for to be part of the product line. Uh, So when he wrote his book, he, uh, he wanted to point out that he's a real guy. All right, let's do another one of these. Sounds good to me. Question two, name the Wes Anderson film about a family that sounds regal, but isn't. I know this one. I think I know this one too, yeah. Because I love Wes Anderson. But I mean. Hold on. Hold on. I'm just pretending to need time because I want the audience (laughs) to have a few moments. I think we all insta got this one. Um, Just, yeah. 
Wes Anderson is, is known for a, a handful of really solid, very aesthetically similar movies. I have not seen, to my knowledge, any of his work, but I am familiar as a trivia host with them. Take it away, guys. <laughs> the Royal Tenenbaums. The Royal Tenenbaums is correct. Uh, that's a good example of I like to try and range across intelligences when I run mm-hmm. trivia. Some people are movie folk. Some people aren't. So that's a uh, nice way to walk them into that one. All right, let's do a third one of these. Question three, what is the passive recreational activity of forcing the body to produce melanin to combat damage to DNA caused by ultraviolet radiation? You're throwing a lot of words at me for this amount of rum, Randall. (laughs) Oh, I think I, I think I have it. I have like a concept of what this is going to be, but I'm trying to figure out how NBA fits in the wording that I have in my head. I, yeah. Okay. I got it. I found the, (laughs) I found, I found the operant phrase. Okay. Yep. Uh, Jeremy, are you there with us? (laughs) Oh, I'm here. (laughs) Are you here with us on this answer? I am not on this answer. Uh, I am maybe my brain's just not working right, but I'm like everything I'm thinking of with this. There's no NBA in it. No, so, well, I, I'll let you guys I, take this away. All right, I'll tap. You'll tap out. Uh, it took me a while because I couldn't get the concept of like a tanning bed out of my head, and I'm like, there's no B in tanning bed except for the B that isn't next to an N and an A. And then I realized you were talking about sunbathing. Ah, uh, see, I was stuck with tanning too. Correct. That's not right. And then I'm like. Uh, this is a, I thought that was a fun way to, uh, sort of pedantically over explain a very simple concept. So oh, as you get all the questions like that. the damage DNA and the ultraviolet radiation and stuff, those are all intended to be red herrings for a pretty straightforward answer. Just sitting your ass out in the summer. Yeah. Let's do number four. Comedian and actor David Atkins has performed under what mononymous stage name throughout his television and movie career. He chose the name as tribute to the exploits of a fictional Middle Eastern mariner. Yeah, I I definitely got this one. I know Uh, who David Atkins is, so I'm going (laughs) to. As soon as you said mononymous, I had it. And shout out to this particular comedian because randall i don't know if you know this but we have technically collaborated with this comedian through the uh oh, really? trivia action yeah through the trivia action um oh, right, right. that our friends at quiz quiz bang bang put together over the summer one of their special guest uh question presenters was david atkins who i think our listeners would better remember under his stage name sinbad sinbad is correct he was really uh, good in that genie movie i'm just saying just get the hell out of here jeremy gross uh all effect is real that's all i'm saying let's do question number five what kind of wizard is portrayed by roger daltrey both in the concept rock opera and subsequent film tommy i'm pretty sure this and i love it yeah (laughs) oh my god i know it too it took me a second but i know it um, I I will say this. If you wanted to ramp up the difficulty, just end that question on the word daltry. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm not saying that it's a bad question, but like that's about where I started to to have the gears grind. And I could that see wall- I could see ripping out Roger Daltrey entirely, too. What kind of wizard 
uh, is portrayed both in the concept rock opera and subsequent film Tommy. See, but my opinion would be that Walt Roger Daltrey is the less recognizable name of the two that kind mm-hmm. of orbit around this concept. Uh, and, you know, just to, to reveal it to the audience and to Jeff, who hasn't said a damn thing oh, about this. I, that knew would... it. I knew it immediately. <laughs> I have yeah. a hot take I've been waiting to give. Oh, shit. Because ever since he was a young boy, he played the silver ball. That is uh, pinball <laughs> wizard we're looking yeah. for. My my hot pinball take. My hot wizard. take. Is that the Elton John version of the song is better than the Who's version? Come at me. Oh. Oh. (laughs) Now, listeners, you have to understand something very important about Jeff. He doesn't understand the box theory of sandwiches, and you can't explain this to him, and I've tried. So take his hot takes with a grain of salt, please. (laughs) Let's do number six. Oh, the correct answer, by the way, to five is pinball. Tell me the pinball wizard. Uh, Number six. Now ambassador at large for international religious freedom. Name the former governor of Kansas who left that office with one of the lowest ratings of any governor after instituting a massive tax cut known as the Kansas experiment. Oh, I know this guy and he sucks and I don't remember his name. (laughs) I can't get like Aikens out of my head and I know that that's wrong. Because yeah, no, his I name know, is not like one. John B. Aikens or something. Um, For yeah, my I own uh, on this. detriment, I follow politics a little too closely, so I definitely have the answer on this one. But I'll give Jeff a chance. Ooh, to you and me both. What's What's right? interesting? I wouldn't be able to tell you. Uh, I wouldn't be able to tell you his first name. Um, but I do remember the stories about this and the NBA concept of it. I was like, okay, it has to be in there somewhere. Um, so I believe that that's Brownback, but I'm, I'm not remembering a first name, but that, Sam. that fits with the Sam. Okay. Sam. That Sam fits Brownback. With, yeah. Sam Brownback. Yeah. Yeah. I just uh, remember that he sucks this, guys. Sorry. One of the tricks of this and I, uh, I wonder what y'all would have done is he was a lot more than governor of Kansas. He was a legislator at various levels and the Kansas experiment practically bankrupted the the state so uh it was this is one of those questions where i almost felt like i could go on giving information forever uh to be exhaustive and i ended up just Mm. kind of boiling it down to he was governor that's one of the many things he did and he did the kansas experiment which was just bad (laughs) well i'm gonna go out on a limb and say that your regulars in washington and our regulars in illinois all agree that sam brownback sucks (laughs) i don't know if regulars in other parts of the country would necessarily agree with that take yeah well Well, he's he does have one of the lowest ratings of any governor he was such a bad yet he was such a bad governor of kansas that a state that has been red for what 45 years elected a democratic governor yeah and he got bailed out to become the international religious freedom guy because they were essentially going to run him, physically run him out of office there. Oh, my God. Yeah, that tracks. All right. Y'all want to do a couple more of these? Yeah, I got a few more in me. Number seven here. Uh, what 1981 comedy is about an illegal race whose name they shortened and altered by removing the words Baker C to Shining C? Memorial Trophy Dash. I know this one. I got this one. Silence from Jeremy. <laughs> yep. I'm thinking. No, we're throwing. No, you answer for the team, Jeremy. I'm making this canon now. 
Jeff, <laughs> Jeff knows it. I know it. But we will defer to you. Is this Cannonball Run? Cannonball yes. Run is correct. Okay, oh, I wasn't so 100% proud of sure. I've never seen it. I know of the movie. But I'm like, ah. Uh. <laughs> yeah, okay, a real wait. 19 a 1981 uh, make-pretend movie about a real illegal race, which uh, obviously went by a lot of names, but the Cannonball Run Baker Sea to Shining Sea Memorial Trophy Dash is kind of the most official name went by. It's run twice, actually, and now it's run legally. Or Smokey and the Bandit, like five, whatever you want to call it. <laughs> or just take the thunder from my commentary, Jeremy. That's cool, too. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to go on this whole Burt Reynolds thing, but you just short-circuited it. <laughs> no, I didn't know it was Burt Reynolds. Of yourself? I, and I've seen all of the... I am proud of myself because I have seen all the Smokey and the Bandit movies. I've just never seen Cannonball Run. Nice. <laughs> Liquid Courage Entertainment, now hiring. <laughs> <laughs> because if you worked for Liquid Courage, you had better damn well have seen Cannonball Run. <laughs> <laughs> DTQ means Deloise, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's wrap this up. Uh, this was for a special event. They had eight questions there. I do 10 at my game normally, but uh, I only have eight for you fellows today. And, and of course, our listening audience. Here's number eight. What sporting tool is common to cornhole and hacky sack? Oh, I got this. I'm trying to think of the correct term here. Bear with me. I'm also trying to remember that you said DTQ means Deloise, so I can put it in our show notes. <laughs> <laughs> Deloise, thank you. Like, it's blank bag, and I'm trying to think <laughs> of what would end in N to get what, to bag. What do they fill it with? Corn? Think legumes. I would I would have to accept that if I was the if I was the host, because it's not <laughs> right? wrong. But wait, what is the answer you would have to accept? What, what if people in high school wearing their Jenkos sit around playing? When it was corn hacky sack, what were they kicking around? <laughs> yeah, hacky sacks. We established this. What are they filled with? Legumes. Uh, Legumes. I live in a uh, college town in the Pacific Northwest. Oh, beanbag. Okay. There you corn, go. Like, <laughs> I'm I'm now holding my bottle of Captain Morgan back black to the microphone so you can see how much I've had. That's where I'm at. <laughs> I I I've never, never understood why it was called cornhole until somebody explained to me that they would put corn in the bags and throw it in through the hole. And I'm like, that makes more sense. But I mean, at least somebody let it by and didn't go, are we sure that that's what we want to call it? <laughs> like, don't we have another name we could call it? It's not as evocative. <laughs> but yeah, Randall, just side side note, would you have accepted corn bag? If somebody had <laughs> entered that, I mean, I don't know. If Not any that anybody sacks. would, because God forbid anybody say corn bag. Yeah, the, but... uh, this would come down to one of those. Uh, if you know enough to call it a corn bag, you know what answer I'm looking for type of situations. But yeah, I guess because... <laughs> See, Randall, you say that. <laughs> I, I always play venue games to be as crowd engaging as possible. So if someone answered corn bag, they would have answered that in a written way 
And then when I went over answers, nobody would have really known that they said corn bag or not. So it would have depended on the vibe of the night. Online, I'm scoring everything live. Uh, and so I'm kind of talking about the answers as they come in. The whole scoring portion takes place over just a couple of minutes. So I would probably announce that someone said corn bag and <laughs> use it as a way to just kind of be funny and then give them yeah. the point. Because at this stage in trivia history, everyone's <laughs> playing in front of a connected device and there's no reason not to sort of be generous with points because I don't want to encourage cheating. Right, yeah. and that would be a proof that they didn't cheat. <laughs> Absolutely, and and a good reminder that the reason we're all here is to have a good time. So, yeah. corn bags and bean bags unite <laughs> together. Corn bags and bean bags and handbags, and let's call the whole thing off. That was a great round, Randall. I am yeah, I like that a lot. Thrilled that you presented yeah. that. Thank you. I hope our listeners enjoyed it. I enjoyed it, but again, I am an easy audience right now. Listen. <laughs> I, what I like about it is twice in the game, I went uh, bass backwards into the answer because of the mechanics of the round. And I was like, I'm, I wouldn't have known the Kansas, the Kansas experiment one lights out unless there was the NBA clue there as well. If you just asked that in any other round, I'd never would have, I never would have pulled the name, but because it was, because it was NBA. I'm like, Oh, Brownback, you know, like, I could put that together. And I like the fact that the questions work two directions in that too. You could kind of correct, you know, uh, you could check your own uh, answers before you turn it in. It's like, wait, this doesn't have an NBA in it. This can't possibly be correct. I like that a lot. It's a fun way to take a, take a winding route to trivia. That's kind of out in the weeds because yeah. who cares the name of a specific governor in a state that you don't live in from a while ago. Uh, yeah. But it is a fun way to talk about the Kansas experiment and sort of the machinations of politics to, uh, and, and to people who are into politics, that feels rewarding. Yeah. I like that a lot. Cheers. Thanks. All right. I think that wraps up our episode. Uh, I have been Jeff with RMT trivia in Chicago. You could find me on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, uh, and streaming on Twitch, all at RMT Trivia, as in Real Me This. And I've been Jason, Chicago, Illinois, Liquid Courage Entertainment. You can find me on Twitch nine times a week because I am insane at twitch.tv slash liquid underscore courage. And courage is spelled with the letter K. Uh, I have been Randall. I host World's Best Trivia, a very pretentiously named game based on a... <laughs> world's best dad mug where i scratched out the word dad and wrote trivia as a joke and now have to stand behind the moniker world's best trivia forever you can find <laughs> me on facebook at world's best trivia instagram at world's best trivia and i play online through zoom tuesdays at 7 p.m pacific all right and i've been jeremy with liquid courage in chicago you can find me on Twitch at twitch.tv slash LKJeremy. And you can find me on Twitter at JerWG. Uh, you can find us at the Quadrivia Podcast at quadriviapod at gmail.com. You can shoot us an email. You can shoot us uh, keyword challenge suggestions. We'll add it to the list that we randomize each week. Uh, and you can send us feedback or emails, funny stories, whatever you'd like to do. Uh, we will get it there. You can find us on Twitter at Quadrivia Pod. 
Uh, on Facebook, if you look uh, facebook.com slash quadriviapod, you'll find us. Uh, quadriviapodcast.com, where you can go to see the show notes and vote on the keyword challenge every week. Uh, just don't vote for Corey because he wasn't on this episode and somehow he's going to win again. Don't vote and, for Corey. <laughs> and never vote for Corey. Never vote for Corey. Uh, and uh, you can find us because, again, Corey is just strange and it started out as a joke and he bought it anyway and we love him for it. Uh, Quadriviabuttface.net apparently is a real thing <laughs> that I thought was a joke until Jeff started touting it on social media. Yes, those posts that were about it on our Facebook page were from Jeff. And again, I thought it was a joke and then I clicked on it. No. Nope. You- you got to grab all the socials, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> you got to make sure. You got to make sure the pathways are out there. Absolutely. Hey, Randall, you want to send us out for this episode? You know the, the standard yeah. quadrivia outro at this point, right? No, actually, I don't know the standard quadrivia outro. I fall asleep by the end of these episodes. And that is our That's outro. That's it. <laughs> yep. Sold. <laughs> You were talking about, um, you know, talk. You were talking briefly, and I don't know why I'm. St- oh, I know why I'm stumbling over my words. Hi, Captain. <laughs>